It's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't recollect. You don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son. Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem. We have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats. This is Our Lives in Politics with your host Booker and co-host Lou Basada. Well, after Congress took off about a month, they have come back into session. And now they're getting to work, finally. And guess what to do at the end of this month? We're talking about coming up this week. The end of September is the budget. There is no budget, and now we have the crisis of not being able to fund the government. So what will happen? Is it going to be a continuing resolution? Probably so. But there's a lot of fighting happening inside the Republican Party behind closed doors in Washington, D.C. I hope everybody had a great week. My name is Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Our Lives in Politics on America Out Loud Talk Radio or wherever you're listening to your podcast. In this first half of this hour, we're going to get into some of the hearings that took place on Capitol Hill this week, including Merrick Garland. You heard the questioning there from Congressman Johnson from Louisiana at the beginning of this show. So we're going to get into that. What did Merrick Garland have to say? Did he perjure himself? We're going to find out here in this half hour. We're going to start this half hour, though, with Matt Gates and a speech that he made because he is at odds with Byron Donald's solution to the continuing resolution and the fact that the Republicans do not have a budget to fund the government. Again, the government is going to shut down this week, so there is a huge fight that is brewing on Capitol Hill. Here's Matt Gates. Mr. Speaker, I'm not voting for a continuing resolution. I'm not voting to continue the failure and the waste and the corruption and the election interference, and in some cases, the efforts that could lead this country into World War III. I oppose the CR authored by my friend and colleague from Florida, Byron Donalds. The Donald CR continues the Ukraine policy negotiated by Speaker Pelosi and Mitch McConnell in the omnibus that conservatives were against. The Donald CR is a permission slip for Jack Smith to continue his election interference as they are trying to gag the president, the former president of the United States, and the leading contender for the Republican nomination. And the Donald CR abandons the principle that it is only a review of single-subject spending bills that will save this country and allow us to tweeze through these programs and force these agencies to stand up and defend their budget. My friends, we are approaching the days where we're facing $2 trillion annual deficits atop a $33 trillion debt. This is unsustainable. And just to continue things with some facial 8% cut over 30 days that will lead to no programmatic reform is an insult to the principles we fought for in January. I yield back. So the effort that uh, Byron Donalds has in mind, that continuing resolution, extends the deadline for about 30 days. Guess what happened this past Thursday? What did Kevin McCarthy do? At 3 o'clock, he dismissed the House of Representatives. So they quit working on a Thursday, going into the last week of September, where a budget has to be passed and money has to be found. This continuing resolution will have to be passed or the government will shut down. And they are creating 
their own crisis here in the House of Representatives. So here's Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee. You know, a continued resolution is just that. It's a 30-day fix. And how in the world do the 50 states manage? They, they pass a budget. I'm sure your family has a budget. My family has a budget. Church or synagogue has a budget. Uh, every charity in the, in the country has a budget, except the United States government. Ma'am, we haven't passed a budget since the 70s. And even though Matt Gates and their Congressman Burchett are both detractors of the continuing resolution that we will see continue to be pushed forward, and eventually it's going to be passed, the government is not going to shut down. Regardless of what you may want, it's not going to happen this time around. The unfortunate thing is the Republicans were elected to get into position of power, to take the gavel away from Nancy Pelosi, and all they really are doing is continuing Nancy Pelosi's spending. And that is the frustrating part. That's what you hear from Matt Gates. That's what you hear from Tim Burchett. But now we have Congressman Johnson from Louisiana, and he believes the government probably will not shut down, just like I do. But here he is on CNN. Do you believe that there's going to be a government shutdown? No, I, I don't. We had a very productive meeting tonight. It lasted two and a half hours. It was a uh, an intense family discussion, but it was productive. And we walked out of the room, I think, with an agreement, at least the framework for an agreement uh, amongst ourselves on how to proceed. I think there's an agreement uh, on, a, on the top line spending number, which has been part of the controversy that we couldn't decide upon. Uh, we, we've got that now. I think we're going to do a stopgap funding measure that everybody's prepared to do that will allow us additional time to get all the Even the hardliners are prepared to sign on to that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think all of them were in the room tonight. We had very fruitful discussion, and I think we've got agreement, at least, the, like I said, the framework for that going out. It was very positive leaving, and uh, we're, in, we're in a good place. And the last bit here on the continuing resolution and the government shutdown, before we move on to the Merrick Garland testimony that took place in the House Judiciary, here is a Truth Social post put out by Donald Trump just a couple of days ago. A very important deadline is approaching at the end of the month. Republicans in Congress can and must defund all aspects of crooked Joe Biden's weaponized government that refuses to close the border, treats half the country as enemies of the state. This is also the last chance to defund these political persecutions against me and other patriots. They failed on the debt limit, but they must not fail now. Use the power of the purse and defend the country. That's a quote from Donald Trump. So we'll have to watch. We'll continue to keep an eye on this throughout this week. Something will happen. The government is not going to shut down. Let's move on to Merrick Garland testimony in the House Judiciary. You know, we talk so much about a two-tiered justice system. There are rules for one type of people, and there are another set of rules for others. We see what's happening with Donald Trump for indictments for him. And yet we see Hunter Biden, cocaine in the White House. We see him not paying taxes for years and years. There's a gun charge. There's all this money that he has collected on behalf of the Biden crime family. What is it? 17, 20 million dollars, 20 shell companies? And nothing happens to him. Although we did see that gun charge come for Hunter Biden, finally, from David Weiss. There's going to be some David Weiss questioning here in this hearing of Merrick Garland. It appears that in the past he's been very close if he has not already perjured himself. Let's go to Jim Jordan. 
There's one investigation protecting President Biden. There's another one attacking President Trump. Justice Department's got both sides of the equation covered. Look at the classified documents case. Spring and early summer of last year, the Department of Justice asked President Trump to turn over boxes of documents. He does just that. In the process, President Trump finds 38 additional documents. He tells the Department of Justice, the very next day the FBI comes to his home and he turns them over. Then the Department of Justice asked the president to put any boxes he brought from the White House to his home in a storage room and secure it by locking it. He does that as well. Everything they asked him to do, he did. And then what's the Justice Department do? August 8th, last year, they raid President Trump's home. And according to the FBI agent, Stephen D'Antuano, the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office, the search was a complete departure from standard protocol. When we interviewed Mr. D'Antuano, he said, first, the Miami field office didn't do the search. Instead, they sent folks from D.C. He said there was no U.S. attorney assigned to the case. Instead, it was run by D.C., in particular, Jay Bratt, who's now on the special counsel team. He said the FBI didn't get President Trump's counsel's approval before they did the search. And then Mr. D'Antuano told us he had recommended that when the FBI got to Mr. Trump's home, President Trump's home, they contact his counsel, wait for him to get there and do the search together. Of course, the DOJ said no. And then who does, who does the attorney general name as special counsel in that case? Jack Smith, the guy who a few years ago was looking for ways to prosecute Americans, targeted by Lois Lerner and the IRS, looking to prosecute the very victims of the weaponized government, the weaponized IRS. Jack Smith, the guy who prosecuted Governor McDonald, only to have the Supreme Court overturn that prosecution in a unanimous decision. That's the guy, that's the guy that the Attorney General of the United States selects as special counsel. And you wonder why four out of five Americans believe there are now two standards of justice in our great country. There's Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan laying out some of the groundwork some of the two-tier justice system that we have all witnessed over the last three or four years. We've seen it. We've seen Catholics outside abortion clinics. We have seen their homes raided. 70-year-old women have been convicted of such things. We've seen parents in school board meetings being arrested and put in jail because their child was raped in a same-sex bathroom. These are the things that we have witnessed with our own eyes. And it seems that Merrick Garland sees things completely different. He thinks it is equal justice under the law. Here he is in his opening statements. Our job is to pursue justice without fear or favor. Our job is not to do what is politically convenient. Our job is not to take orders from the president, from Congress, or from anyone else about who or what to criminally investigate. As the president himself has said, and I reaffirm today, I am not the president's lawyer. I will add, I am not Congress's prosecutor. The Justice Department works for the American people. Our job is to follow the facts and the law. And that is what we do. And when are you going to start doing that, Attorney General Merrick Garland? That is not what has been happening in this country. Everybody can see it, except for you. <laughs> It's, it's almost, it's sickening. 
is what it is. These people are so arrogant, so emboldened, they feel like they can get away with absolutely everything. And so far, they have. The Republicans in the House of Representatives are not holding them accountable. They're having the dog and pony show. All of these hearings are happening. There is no accountability for any of these people, for any of these transgressions that we see within the judicial system, whether it's Donald Trump or whether that's mom and dad at a school board meeting or whether it's the Christians praying at an abortion clinic, whether it's the J6 prisoners. We're not seeing equal justice under the law. That is not what we're seeing in this country right now, Merrick Garland. But now let's go back to David Weiss. If you remember, David Weiss has been investigating Hunter Biden for five years. He has let the statute of limitations run out on some of those cases, uh, like the tax evasion. He can no longer press charges on the 2014 and 15 uh, cases that he could have filed charges on. And then he takes this plea deal to a judge, and the judge just about laughs at it because it was obvious that the defense attorneys and the prosecution together came up with this plea deal for Hunter Biden to be able to walk out. The judge stopped that. And thank goodness there was a good judge somewhere in this country that could stand up for us, the people, when it came time for some accountability for Hunter Biden. There were some questions along the David Weiss becoming a special counsel here in this hearing. You know, he wasn't a special counsel. He had previously testified that he was not allowed to bring charges in Los Angeles or in Washington, D.C. But now Merrick Garland has repeatedly said he had total control and total authority. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? Uh, I, don't re- I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question, but the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't, recollect, you don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son? I, I don't believe that I did. I promised the Senate when I came um, before it for confirmation that I would leave Mr. Weiss in place and that I would not interfere with his investigation. Okay, did I you ever... Kept- I have kept that promise. In October or March of 22, Mr. Weiss was denied the ability to bring charges against Hunter Biden in the District of Columbia. In April of that same year, you testified before the Senate Appropriations Committee that Mr. Weiss was free to run the investigation without interference from the DOJ. According to the IRS whistleblower, there was a meeting in October of 22 where Mr. Weiss said that he was not the deciding official on whether charges were filed. And we know that because we have handwritten notes from the IRS whistleblowers that was confirmed in an email to people in the meeting. Later in January, Mr. Weiss was denied the ability to bring charges again against Hunter Biden in the Central District of California. You testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee in March of this year that he had full authority. That Weiss confirmed that to us in a letter in June that he had been granted quote, full authority over this matter. But then he kind of backed up. In June 30th, he said, well, just just kidding. Uh, my charging authority is geographically limited to my home in Delaware. And of course, you appoint him a special counsel. So why the heck has his story changed so many times over the course of these investigations? Congressman, I've seen all the three letters. I've read them quite carefully. They are all consistent with each other. And I urge everyone watching this on television or anyone who's interested to look at those three letters. They are not inconsistent with each other, and there's no change in the story. But you agree that he had, and you've said this publicly, that he had ultimate authority prior to the appointment of special counsel. 
I've explained this repeatedly here. I've explained this uh, in, in another proceeding. I said that Mr. Weiss would have the authority to bring a case in any jurisdiction in which he wanted to, and Mr. Weiss has confirmed uh, that he, had, he would have that authority. I explained that if he had to bring a case in another jurisdiction, um, as a matter of mechanics, it would require me to, to sign me or a, delega a delegatee of mine to sign a 515 um, uh, uh, order. Uh, that is uh, very common. But, Mr. Um, and, Attorney General, and there was no nothing for, stopping that from happening. Forgive me for a second, though, but that's when you say you have ultimate. When he wrote a letter on your behalf in June, I have ultimate authority. This is prior to the designation of special counsel. Ultimate to me means like that you can go wherever you want to. Ultimate so means at, when at the, that particular point, sir, could he file charges in the District of South Carolina? He would not have that ability, correct? He would have to go through that U.S. attorney. So that's not all, full authority. All he would have to do is ask me for 515 authority, and I would sign it right away, just like when he asked me to be special counsel. Within three days, I signed that. So he didn't have ultimate authority. He had the authority because I promised that he would have the authority. But he did not have that authority. See, here's where I'm going. If he, if he was denied the ability to bring charges in March of 22 uh, in the District of Columbia, if he was denied the ability to bring charges in January of 23 in the Central District of California, that's not full authority. These, these, these U.S. attorneys operate as gatekeepers, so that's not full authority to, to do much of anything. And you know what's remarkable to me? We sit here... And we look at this, and his story has changed so many times. You know whose story hasn't changed? Mr. Shapley, Mr. Ziegler, the, the emails that confirm that he said, I don't have, I, I'm not the deciding person on whether charges are filed. And you know what the response back was from his colleague at, uh, at work? Yep, you covered it all, Gary. That is consistent. What Mr. Weiss has done is, is this shell game and saying that he has authority, he doesn't have authority, but these gatekeepers at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia and in the Central District of California, they would have the gatekeeping authority on whether charges are brought in their jurisdictions. I'm sorry. The, that designation, correct? Those words have no meaning, gatekeepers, etc. Mr. Weiss said he was never denied authority. I'm the one with the authority to decide who can prosecute in a different jurisdiction, and I promised that he would have that authority. So do you believe that Merrick Garland is telling the truth? Is someone else calling the shots at the Department of Justice? Maybe is it Lisa Monaco, Barack Obama's person, Barack Obama's plant in the Department of Justice? Could it be her? I don't know. Let's go back. We, we hear a lot of reference to the whistleblowers here in this testimony. Let's go back to a CBS interview with Catherine Herridge with the IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler. Why did you want to interview Hunter Biden's adult children? So a lot of the um, business deductions expenses related to the adult children. Did you get the approvals? So we never received the approvals to, to talk to, to, to those people. What did the assistant U.S. attorney tell you? That that's going to get us into hot water. Is that in the IRS handbook, avoiding hot water? No, but I mean, I was asking to do these certain things. And roadblock after roadblock was put up in front of me. In our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials, as well as other U.S. attorneys. So all through this hearing, it was the Republicans pointing out the two-tier justice system and how the Department of Justice is blocking true investigations to hold people accountable. 
the Democrats had a different opinion on what was going on. I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But before we do, we're going to get away from the David Weiss and the Hunter Biden. And I'm going to move into a different line of questioning from some of the congressmen. Here is Thomas Massey. He is asking specifically about the DOJ and the FBI involvement on January 6, 2021. That was the insurrection. Here's Thomas Massey. When I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol, can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. You've ha- I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there I were have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find me. out. And Maybe. today, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video who's saying, go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor. The American public isn't buying it. So what about it, America Out Loud talk radio audience? Are you buying it? You people on the podcast, what about it? Are you buying what Merrick Garland is saying? I don't think any of us are. We're smarter than that, aren't we? You know, Matt Gates came back with some more questioning about January 6th. Pay attention to how Merrick Garland doesn't even come close to answering the question. He completely deflects this question. So January 6th, did you lose count of the number of federal assets? Did you lose count and order an audit? Gentlemen's time has expired. I, I get an answer to the question of did, he, did they lose count? Well, let him answer the question. The time has expired. The, the attorney general can respond. China is the most aggressive, most dangerous adversary Mr. Mr. General, the United I think that States faces, and we are doing China. everything within our power China to is what he's that, talking to about now. That, Not January 6th. Invasions, both kinetic both um, and through cyberspace, and we will continue If, you, if to someone that. gave that answer in your courtroom when you were a judge... You would tell them they were being non-responsive and you would direct them to answer the question of order, Your Honor. It is impossible to get a straight answer from Merrick Garland. And we're going to see that more now as the questioning goes to the border. If you're paying attention at all, and I know that you are if you're listening to this program, you see the mess that's going on at the border. It's been, been going on since the beginning of the Biden administration, but it is getting so worse right now. It's a mess down there. Thousands and thousands are crossing every day. And we have seen over 120,000 Americans die from fentanyl overdoses since Joe Biden became president of the United States. Well, here is Representative Tom Tiffany with a line of questioning about fentanyl. So Sheriff Mark Daniels from Cochise County, Arizona, sat right where you were at a few months ago. And under oath, he said, the reason there is such a drastic increase in fentanyl coming into the country is because on January 20th of 2021, open borders policies were announced by President Biden. Have you expressed concern about those open borders policies that have led to this uh, rapid increase in the amount of fentanyl coming into our country? 
I can't associate myself with the conclusion reached by the sheriff, although I can certainly commiserate with the concerns. So the sheriff is incorrect. Look, the cartels in Mexico are bringing this, uh, are causing this drug to be transmitted into the United States, and we were doing everything we can to eliminate that incentive. Yeah, you're not going to do it on doing that. Mr. Chairman, just so we're real clear here. This is the same answer we received from Secretary Mayorkas a couple months ago when he was in denial about a sheriff who lives, one of the most reputable sheriffs you'll find in the United States of America, sitting down there on that southern border. He sees it every day. He saw it working in 2020 because he told me when I was down there. And now he says it is not working, and it started January 20th of 2021. You can pretend that you're dealing with fentanyl. You're not. I'm not sure you have seen, but it has been reported that the Department of Justice has opened a couple of cases against Elon Musk. Thomas Massey again asks some questions of Merrick Garland about the two-tier justice system he is running at the Department of Justice here in America. General Garland, Elon Musk was a Democrat who admittedly supported Biden, but then he became a critic of the administration and exposed the censorship regime. Now, per public reports, the DOJ has opened not one but two investigations of Elon Musk. Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, spent $400 million in 2020 tilting the elections secretly for Democrats. No investigations whatsoever. To the American public, these look like mafia tactics. You pays your money, we look the other way. You get in our way, we punish you. The American public sees what these tactics are. I think one of the great stories in this 118th Congress is a freshman congresswoman from the 5th District of Indiana. She's actually originally from Ukraine. She's a legal, a legal immigrant. She met her husband over 22 years ago, I think in 2000, and she met him on a train in Europe. They got together, they got married, and now she finds herself 23 years later in the United States Congress. She has some fears for her constituents in Indiana. Are you aware that a lot of Americans are now uh, afraid of being prosecuted by your department? Are you aware about that? Are you aware of that? I'm just saying, are you aware or not? Uh, I think that uh, constant attacks on the department and saying no, it's that... It's not the... attacks. Well, let me, let me give you an example. I don't know we talk what... about January 6th. People. Sorry? Here, there, there, some people came on January 6th. There probably were some people that came on January 6th here, you know, that had bad intent. But a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they're sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because the proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came, they were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, FBI agent to people's houses. You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call, call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll show you some other things. We're talking about justice system. 
I don't question, you're probably not a bad person. I don't know you, but well, I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then, let's extend slow work investigation on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, everything is slow walk. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walk. Then, by the time, you know, that investigation ended, statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. And that may be the smartest and the best line of the entire hearing from Congresswoman Victoria Sparts there. It is true that, that all of these people that come testify in a hearing, they all seem to have amnesia, don't they? They can't recall a thing. Well, I said that I would share some of the Democrats' questioning, and let's go to one of my favorites, Eric Swalwell. He is the one that had the uh, relationship with a Chinese spy, and, of course, nothing happened to him either back when that happened. Here's his questions of Merrick Garland. Mr. Attorney General, you are serious. They are not. You are decent. They are not. You are fair. They are not. Uh, you couldn't have a hearing without the uh, Jerry Wadler, uh, Jerry Nadler, always has to come in and defend the Democrats and defend Merrick Garland. Of course he is. That's his job, and here he is. House Republicans will use their time today to talk about long-discredited conspiracy theories and Hunter Biden's laptop. They will do it because they care more about Donald Trump than they do about their own constituents. I hope my colleagues will see reason and at least attempt, at least attempt to work with the Attorney General in good faith. Sadly, on the other side of the aisle, reason and good faith seem to be in short supply. And as I end this half hour... I want to bring you the White House spokesperson for oversight and investigations, Ian Sams, released this, and I'm going to quote it, quote, extreme House Republicans are running a not so sophisticated distraction to try to cover up their own actions that are hurting America to dangerous and costly government shutdown. Well, we started the hour with the government shutdown and the continuing resolutions, and now we see how the White House is using that politically. And that's the box that Kevin McCarthy finds himself in, along with the rest of the Republicans. The sad part is we have a two-tiered justice system in this country. We do. We know that. We can see it. You'd have to be blind not to see what's happening in this country with the Justice Department. Hopefully, we'll get some accountability. Hopefully, we'll get the answers, and hopefully, this will continue to be exposed, and it's kind of up to you to help expose this. Please share this program wherever you can with all your friends and your neighbors so that they hear the truth on these hearings, because there is some real truth here, and the American government is trying to cover things up, and we can't allow that, and it's up to you to pass it around. Coming up next on Our Lives in Politics is Craig Saulman Sawyer. He is a former Navy SEAL. He's also a former Air Marshal. But what he is now is a guy that is trying to rescue children from child sex trafficking. It's a huge problem in this country. It's a huge business. You're going to hear about it next, right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, 
created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Changing the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. back to Our Lives in Politics here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm Booker Scott, your host for this hour. And one thing that we do on this program from time to time is give you information about child sex trafficking. Uh, you know, we had the predator poacher a few weeks ago, and uh, that was uh, Alex Rosen, and he was nice enough to come on and share some information. Another guy that's doing great work in a in really what is a disturbing business in this country. Some say it could be thirty to fifty billion dollars every year. Four hundred and sixty thousand kids go missing in America, and one of those guys that's out there on the front line, trying to find them and, and trying to help them trying to rescue them is Craig Saulman Sawyer. He's a former Navy SEAL and an air marshal. And Craig, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me on, Booker. It's a, ple- it's a pleasure. Now, tell me tell me about what you are trying to accomplish. And first of all, I know, I know a big part of what you're doing is just trying to make people aware of, of this problem in this country. It is. Well, what we're trying to do is stop people from harming and raping and selling children. And the way that we are doing that is through media. So I founded Vets for Child Rescue to expose the problem. In the covert world, we refer to a, and I'm talking about counter-terrorist operations, intelligence community operations. When a covert mission gets compromised, that means it gets exposed to the enemy. And the enemy understands that the operation's going on and where the personnel are, what they're up to. And then you've got a serious problem with the locals chasing you down by the thousands with, you know, pitchforks and torches or worse. Yeah. Well, that's the dynamic trying to create for child trafficking in the United States, because when I learned about it, 
it was from a friend of mine in the intelligence community that said, hey, Craig, this is the area that we grown up just north of Houston is, has become the hottest epicenter of child sex trafficking in the United States. And I learned how not only how pervasive it was, but how just utterly hostile and intentionally damaging and traumatizing oh, some of these predators are. It really upset me to the point to where I realized I was I was done going somewhere else to fight against a perceived threat that may one day come here when I could see that there were predators already here and they were targeting our most pure, our most innocent, our most precious, the children behind my back when I was deploying elsewhere. So I realized, you know what? I'm going to deploy here to the United States mm -hmm. now, and I'm going to defend our children against the real threats that I can see. Not, not a threat that somebody tells me is out there that may one day come here, but the threat that I know about. And so that's what I started doing and exposing it, compromising the enemy's mission, if you will, is job one. So we've made a documentary, Contra Land, and you can watch it at ContraLandMovie.com. And it's on most of the major um, video platforms now and when we spent three years filming it walking the american populace through the factual evidence of what's going on against the children some of our joint operations with federal and local law enforcement arresting the predators of every type and you cannot spot them just by looking you can't tell if someone's a child predator by looking you, you really can't uh, we've caught you know an active duty federal agent We've caught an army recruiter. We got an elder from the Mormon church in Utah. Uh, everybody came uh, for the children in our operations, and we prosecuted all of them. So we run the joint ops and, and put the predators in prison. But uh, I think bigger and more importantly is alerting 340 million Americans, everybody, and even bigger. You know, a country land's gone around the globe. We've had people request translated into half a dozen languages at least that's encouraging so it's spreading internationally because this is a global problem mm -hmm. and exposing the problem so that the people understand the nature of the threat and can rally around the children to defend them is job one and so that's what we're doing we've got a radio show defend our defending our children a television talk show that we filmed all of season one so that should air here shortly and uh, we've got NASCAR placement and billboards and social media campaigns. And I do a lot of public speaking and, you know, all of this <clears throat> simply in the effort to rally the public to circle around the children and say no more. Leave the children alone. I don't care what your problems are out there. Leave them out of your sex life. Leave them out of your criminal activity and your, your abuse. It's not okay. It's destroying not only countless little souls but uh, the future of our nation, and we do have to put a stop to it. And uh, it's upsetting to see how much top cover this crime enjoys, how many people end up being in on it and won't share the, the truth with the American populace. And when it does leak out, how actively and aggressively it's censored, deleted, banned, accounts deleted and so forth on social media. So that's pretty upsetting and creepy to see just how viciously and, and frantically it's it's censored when the truth does leak out about it with factual evidence 
of the raids and the interdictions and the arrests and the prosecutions. Craig, where are these children coming from? Where, where uh, the, this child sex trafficking, it's a huge business. 38 to 50 billion, I believe is on your website is how much is spent, which is an astounding amount of money, uh, more money than, than professional sports in this country. Yes, sir. Where there is a drive from obviously the customer, and that's sort of what you were talking about. But where where are these children coming from? Are are they some of those four hundred and sixty thousand that go missing every year in America? Uh, I would say most of them, because the demand is so high, and it makes you wonder what. How did we get to the point to where there's mm-hmm. this this insatiable? Uh, and really evil demand to harm and destroy the precious little ones. It's, it, it defies all logic unless you look at it from a spiritual lens, which from the very beginning, those that knew the most about this crime told me, Craig, this is not like anything you've ever encountered. This, this is some like straight up evil stuff. And it is spiritual. And there's a that's where the inclination comes from for the darkest ones who harm the children the most. So there, there's some very sick people out there. But the children come from everywhere. They come from runaways. They come from abductees, kidnappings. They come now that we've essentially abandoned our border security. They're coming across the border in large groups. We go down to the border uh, at various times and help federal and local law enforcement spot those that are bringing children into the United States. So the children can be uh, interdicted and safeguarded rather than sold into God knows what. And, And so a lot of them also are claimed to come from groups like Child Protective Services that in some states like Arizona, they got a a pretty poor reputation, to be honest, from from my perspective anyway, from what I've been told or from the most people, is that um, they, they will target many times a, a single mother, especially if she's minority status, and she may be working multiple jobs, doing her very best to, to raise a child or two. And if they come in as the authority and say, hey, this child looks a little thin, this one looks a little dirty, we are the authority and we're deeming you an unfit mother when you're taking your children from you she may not know what legal recourse she has and so she's an easy victim and then that child is put into the foster care system and goes from fam- one family to the next some of those families are very loving some of those families very abusive and everything in between but at some point i'm told the child goes off the books and then sold outright like a sack of potatoes or a piece of meat. Go take this child out and do whatever you want, murder him, whatever. Uh, organ harvesting, all of this, this sort of thing. So it seems that they come from everywhere, anywhere that they can get the children, which is it should shock and concern every one of us that, that so many unaccompanied minors are pouring in across the border under cartel control with addresses pinned to their underwear some some of these children uh, many of them sent to addresses where there are dozens of people coming in and they all have the same address that they're supposed to come and live in the united states which is really an apartment in miami and you're not going to have 30 adults from 
three different nations, none of whom speak English, all going to live in the same apartment in Miami, right? So that's yeah. just obviously a a bogus address that they're using to get past our our federal law enforcement. So there's a lot of exploitation going on with our lack of control of our southern border. And you and mentioned a lot of them are across there now. You mentioned that the child protective services in Arizona, as an example, would take those children, put them into foster homes. And then those foster homes, are you saying that the foster homes then would pimp them out for a time period? In some cases. Now, it's an individual. We have to judge on individual behavior. So I'm not here to say that uh, child protective services on the whole is, is corrupt. But there obviously are some. And from all the reports that I'm getting, it must be a significant problem. So some of the foster care families, obviously, many are, are, are kind-hearted and very loving, and some are not. And I don't know what the, how the percentage breaks down. Yeah. But yes. Uh, at some point, uh, um, the, the, the child uh, is, they lose the records of them. And the child's no longer... Uh, on the books, there's no longer any record, and that child can be sold outright. Is that as is that as the child age. gets to an adult age, or are they losing these records beforehand? Beforehand, because a lot of times, for a child predator, one who is a pedophile, and is after the the underage children, they know they lose interest once a child is of age. Mm-hmm. So once a child's eighteen or older, usually these predators. Um, that are of that ilk lose interest. And then there are other things that can happen to, to them. But there, you know, there, there's a lot of manipulation, a lot of grooming, a lot of um, substance abuse that it's done to the children to soften the target, if you will, all of which breaks down, it destroys their health. There's a lot of neglect and abuse. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the children take their own lives. It's, um, it's very heartbreaking. The hardest part is talking to the survivors in their adulthood who only 10, 20, 30 years later, 40 years later, are able and willing to talk about what they went through and the deep trauma that it had on them. So if anybody out there is thinking, oh, yeah, well, having sex with a child is somehow going to be okay or, or, or in any way normal and good, you'd be wrong mm-hmm. because I've talked to countless adults who, uh, it, it just, it's just, it'll bring you to your knees in tears to learn just how deeply traumatizing that abuse is on children whose minds are not developed yet and they are not wired sexually and they are not meant for that. And it is utterly damaging. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an outright lie to claim otherwise because the, the science. Alfred Kinsey was a science fraud, and he was exposed very extensively by Dr. Judith Reisman. And so we need to go back in good faith and revise what's in our curriculum on uh, sexual development and um, and omit Alfred Kinsey's falsified studies because uh, he was a sadomasochistic pedophile by his own description, and his studies were falsified. So we need to go back and replace his falsified science, if you will, with actual, real 
data and truth so that we can give pe- people a proper education rather than this this grooming and this uh, this perversion of of that that came from Alfred Kinsey because it's absolute fraud and it's and it's led to a cascading avalanche of, of destruction by trying to normalize the idea that that uh, raping a child is somehow normal and good because it can never be. And a big thanks to Craig Saulman Sawyer for making the time to join us here on the program. He he brings great information. He's been with us before and so thankful that he makes the time to come here. He's got a big job ahead of him and he's doing great work. Before I get out of here for this hour, I want to go back to a hearing and this is Representative Clay Higgins that I'm going to play a clip from, and he is questioning members of the ACLU because this has to do with the children. We talked a little bit about the border in some of the earlier parts of this program when we were talking about the hearings on the House Judiciary with Merrick Garland. Well, this was a different hearing, and there are 85,000 kids that are missing. Somehow, some way, the Biden administration has missed 85,000 kids of the 365,000 that have come across the border unaccompanied in two years. So I'm not sure how you can just lose 85,000 kids, but I'm sure you may have some ideas. Here is Representative Clay Higgins from Louisiana. 85,000 lost children. Mr. Gallant, are you an attorney, sir? I am. You know, when I was a cop, we had a common saying, a bit of a chuckle. We say that I've known many convicts I can trust in my life and very few attorneys. You're here representing the ACLU, sir. Do you speak on behalf of the ACLU this day? Yes. You're here voluntarily? Yes. Are you here with counsel or are you by yourself? I'm by myself. Congratulations. These 85,000 missing children. What's your opinion about that? How's the ACLU feel about 85,000 missing children? So, uh, Think their civil rights might be being violated? Our view is that those children are not likely missing, that the sponsors don't simply answer the phone. Yeah, the sponsors are not real. You know that, right? It's a racket. It's a sponsor racket. That's why they're not answering the phone. That's why you can't find who they are. The vast, large percentage of these sponsors, these kids are getting sucked into into sex trafficking primarily, human slavery. The policies of this administration are supporting that. We're partnering with the cartels with human trafficking. By God, I would hope, there's many attorneys in my family. I was the one that ended up to be the army grunt and the street cop. But I would hope that, that the ACLU would take a serious look at exactly what kind of cases the ACLU is taking up. And I have a... So again, it's such a problem in our country with these children, our children, American children, the children that are coming across the border. And again, I'm going to say it's a human crisis, what's happening at the border. And it needs to be stopped. There's no reason for it. 120,000 Americans dead of fentanyl. Almost 2,000 migrants have died trying to cross. And 85,000 missing kids. We can do better as a society. And it's going to be a huge week on Capitol Hill coming up this week. 
Keep an eye on what happens with that continuing resolution. Uh, what will they do? I'm pretty sure that something will happen. They will pass something for 30 days and they'll continue to kick the can down the street because that's what they do in Washington, D.C. And, and hopefully someday that will change and we can get back to a government for the people, by the people, of the people. But it takes people just like you to get involved and make that happen. Coming up on the program in the next week or two, I'm not sure yet, but Matt Palumbo will be back. He is Dan Bongino's content director. He's also an author. He's written the book, George Soros, The Man Behind the Curtain. He also wrote Spygate. And he will be here maybe next week. If not, it'll be two weeks from tonight. So uh, thank you so much for joining us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Don't forget, download the app. Go to either phone store, download the app, and get great content. Or you can go to americaoutloud.news. Remember, 2,000 years ago, you were told you are the salt of the earth. And you know, salt without flavor is just thrown out. There's no use for it. So keep being salty. I'm Booker Scott. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And we'll do it again next weekend. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network.